the sticker. Those are Got pretty cool. The sticker. I know. I like them. They're shiny. They're so yeah. shiny. They are shiny. <sighs> I'm, yeah, I'm, Bruno, that, that includes you. We're going to, we'll, we'll see how, try. how in the world I can get something on a plane <laughs> and, yeah. and send it to you. I'm going to get something to you. Well, maybe on a boat. Maybe. Okay. All right. But maybe. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how do they, I don't know. I don't know. Yep. What an episode, man. Holy cow. I'm I'm sure there's uh multiple points where I ramble too long. Yeah, if we gotta yoink out more, then so be it. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we we fully anticipated that going into it, right? Yeah, kinda. I, I feel like the, the history was shorter than I expected, but the the review section was a little longer. It's the quality of life tools that makes things way better. That's it, man. <sighs> That's it. Yeah, it's the thing that makes it unique. Coming up in this episode, it smells like pine trees in here. We have swag bags. The extra large history of MX Lynx. Our thoughts after a month with MX. And all the news that's picked to print. Hey, and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. Dan! Dan, it smells so piney in here. And yeah, it's like a hotline bling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, it smells piney because a friend of the show, Josh Thacker, has sent me a pine phone. It's the OG pine phone. This one, the UbiPorts edition. Oh, that is <laughs> awesome packaging even. Yes. I would show you the phone. But it's like it would be the same as every other phone that it looks. So well, anyway, so the yeah. sort of, but yeah. So uh, I'm excited. I've been I've been toying around with Ubuntu Touch. Mm-hmm. Like, that's UB ports, right? Those are the UB same ports. thing, right? E, e, well, it, it, Ubuntu Touch is morphed into UB ports. Um, oh, that's right. It's, it's not Ubuntu Touch anymore because it's not an Ubuntu project, right? And that, so it was called UB. What does ports. the UB stand for? I guess. It just kind of flows together. I'm not sure. I I think that's their mascot, honestly. Oh, is that the that little, little dude's name is Yubi? I I think so. I think so. Oh wow! I could be wrong about that, but I I do believe. Right before we started the show, we were talking about how wrong we can be, and uh, uh, well, you know this might this might be one of the examples where we're just wrong. Happy uh, to make this one up on the fly. Yeah, or its name really is Yubi, and we are absolutely 100 percent correct. So somebody will fact check us. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you they're know. they're out there hitting the duck duck go as we speak. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm excited to to try this out and mess with this and poke around at it and see how good it is. I I know it's not the fastest phone on the market. I know this. I know this going into it. Sure. But uh, you know, the little bit that I've played with it already is it works. It's that's, impressive. That's good. It's on the web. You know, I'm jotting down a couple of notes, playing around with it a little bit. It's pretty good. But I don't want to give any kind of review here mm-hmm. because I haven't played with it enough right. to do any kind of justice to that. So I want to play with that a little bit. I feel like I have some pretty simple needs for a phone, honestly. 
I don't need a lot of apps, but I need right. a few. Yeah, and actually a lot of the apps that I've started to use, I end up just using them in the browser anyway. So that's fair. Like Nextcloud is one of the ones that I've had for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. I have the I have the app and it's fine. Um, but I also want to do notes, and that's a separate app, turns out. Oh, for sure. And it syncs up with your Nextcloud, but it's not part of the Nextcloud app, right? So the right. Nextcloud app really just syncs up your pictures and stuff, files and stuff. Right. And the Nextcloud Notes app on iOS mm -hmm. is it's not that great. I mean, it's mm -hmm. fine. It works. But if for some reason you get disconnected yeah. from the internet while, I mean, you know, you're going through a tunnel and yep. you're taking notes or something like that. I can't. I'll get motion sick. But, you know, like if, if you were doing that, yeah. then you might end up with some inconsistencies and it just oh. doesn't look right on the server side. So it's not perfect. But, gotcha. you know, what is perfect is just using it through the browser. Mm -hmm. I've just taken to doing. Uh, I've just taken to dealing with it that way. Yeah, I agree. And I can still upload files. I can still do all that stuff. So I've used the app less and less and less, and just started using it through the browser more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And same with my uh, fresh RSS. Mm -hmm. Hint, hint. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. it's very fresh. So yeah, I mean, just straight through the browser. It's all. It's all good. So. Okay. Anyway, I I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be able to do that on the Pine phone too, no matter what I'm running. Nope, it has a web browser, so, so I mean those things will probably work fine. Right. I think uh probably the biggest thing for me is Telegram. And oh true. There is no web client for that. Discord. Well, there is a web client for Telegram, oh, but I there? don't know how well it would work on your phone. Oh. Uh, yeah, because notifications are kind of key for yeah. a messaging app and I don't right, know if right, they would right. work well. Mm. Right. Well, th these are questions that I get to answer soon, I guess. UbiPorts has a Telegram application that they have. Oh, fantastic. So I, I, I feel like that's something that you can install from their application manager, whatever that's called. Fantastic. So that's something to check. Oh, uh, Josh says it's teleports. Teleports. There we go. That makes sense. Fantastic. That makes total sense. All right. So I'm going to use that. I'm going to install that. Um... And then I'm gonna see how well it works. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's is, the it, thing. Got to go, got to go full on. Um, and another thing I need to do is get uh, just some kind of pay as you go sim, so I can oh, check sure. it in there and test out. I mean, you know, it's a phone, so you know, it should probably do phone things like calling and texting. It'd be nice if it did those things, sure. Right. I mean, uh, kind of baseline for phones. Yeah, baseline stuff. I know that that has been a bit of a sore spot for some of the operating Linux-based operating systems that mm. go on these oh, phones, yeah. but um, I don't know. It's probably been long enough, right? I, I, well, I think about the times I use those things, and honestly, it's less frequent than just data things. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. M most everything I do is on the web, but I mean, you know, for the odd one or two calls, I got to know. I got to yeah, know. Yeah, that's fair. Does it, does it actually work? Right. Um. The other thing that I want to do, and uh, Dan in Matrix mm -hmm. from the Manjaro Arm Project, um, he might be happy to know that uh, the next thing I do after after UB ports, because that's what Josh sent it to me with, and I feel like I just need to I just need to start with that. I'm gonna put Manjaro Arm on this phone and really test that out because I know that the plasma stuff. They have been working very hard. Oh, very hard. But besides the Maui stuff, which is oh, yeah. absolutely amazing looking, um, and, and that we tested on the Nitrix episode. We did, yeah. Not on a phone, but we tested the applications, yeah. Right. 
and they have a telegram they slash do. matrix. I think it's like all built in one too. Might be, yeah. But they got a nice note app. I mean, we use that, and they've got right. a few other apps that look just amazing. And uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind them on a mobile device of some sort, whether that's yeah. tablet or phone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to kind of see what it can do. But again, I know I know, I know it's not, it doesn't have all the horsepower, but if it works, uh, you know, it's one small step for Linux. And I think so. Yeah. One giant leap for the third option instead of Android and iOS. <laughs> well, and they've they've released another version, and I think that solidifies it a little bit further for them to yeah, say the that Pinephone Pro. We, we've we've graduated to the sophomore year on on you know our production. Well, even if it's not the best, the fact that they made it that far and they've accomplished that says a lot, I think. Absolutely. So I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, ooh, man, I, I really am. Uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be really I, good. I, I agree. I think uh, I'm excited for those times. All right. Well, here we are. We made it. We did it. Um... Yeah, it's going to be a long one. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to try and go faster than I normally do. And I know you're like, Leo, you already talk kind of fast. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I know, but um, I'm going to try not to interrupt too much. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but and I, I don't know. I got some, got some things I'm probably going to jump in. Please do. You know what, Dan? If it ever if it comes down to it, I'll cut me out and let and let you take the lead on that uh, in editing. <laughs> yeah. And then you know it'll be it'll be fine. Somehow we'll get this show down to a manageable, normalish size. But um, it's, it's 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 a lot. You can't skip over some of this stuff, and I skipped over so much already that I feel like I could have put in, but I couldn't because for time we. This show can't be a three-hour show. It can't be. I'll go insane. So, and, and honestly, it's a short amount of time, but there, it's so rich in the history that it's it's hard to leave it out, right? I know. So let's just dive in. MX Linux. We spent a whole month on MX Linux, and now we're going to talk about it for another hour. So, leadership: uh, Adrian, Dolphin, Oracle, and Jerry thirty-nine oh four. Who I will a couple of times referred to just as Jerry. Jerry, I hope that's okay. Yeah. mxlinux.org. If you want to see any of the uh, downloads and, you know, figure out all of this stuff, most of everything came from mxlinux.org and, of course, archive.org. Base system, Debian stable, desktop environment, used to just be XFCE, but slowly but surely, Plasma and Fluxbox have made their way into MX Linux's heart, and they are, as far as I can tell, as official as official gets. They are now, yep. The file managers, Thunar and Dolphin. Package management, as a Debian derivative, of course, Dpackage and apt. Kernels, 5.10, the LTS that Debian ships, as well as in their repositories, they have the OZ, uh, Advanced Hardware Support, I think is yes. what that stands yep. for. Yep. And that'll be 5.14. So if you need a new one, that's what that's that's what that's about. The display manager, depending on your desktop environment, is going to be Light DM or SDDM. Display protocols are X11 because, you know, Debian. And uh, a, a newcomer to the list, uh, Init System. Is sysv init with, and here's the kicker, systemd installed alongside, but not enabled. Yeah. 
It's this V in it, just like the old days, but there's no reason why, with a little bit of elbow grease, you couldn't swap it out. For System D, everything's already there. You just gotta start, uh, you just have to plug the right things into each other to make System D take over. Yeah, and I know some of that comes up in the history a little further down. Yeah. So we got the Wikipedia page linked for MX Linux. We got um, a little bit about MX from their, uh, from their own website. And so I had this question kind of going into this, like, mm -hmm. where does MX Linux fit in? Because I know the M stands for Mepis and the mm -hmm. X is the last letter in Antics and, and they're all like some big family and mm -hmm. how lineage, what? That, right. Okay. So yeah. I, I set out to answer that question and I didn't have to do it. Turns out Dolphin Oracle had a, had a video <laughs> It was like MX fifteen or sixteen or something. He was he was mm -hmm. doing a yep. uh, kind of a first look at, and he just spelled it out for me. So thanks, Dolphin Oracle, for doing that because uh, you probably saved me like a good hour of scouring <laughs> the internet. Uh, he says MX is based on Antics Core. We used to officially be part of the Antics project. We're very tight. Antics was originally based on Mepis, and MX is based on Antics because Mepis is gone. So it's a very, very tight family. We are not a fork or a split. Now that I think that that last those last couple of words are super, super important to all of this. They're not a fork of Mepis or Antics. They are just one family of distributions yes. that all work tightly together. So that's it. They're, they're together. Used to be Mepis, Antics, and MX. Now it's just Antics and MX, and they all share between each other. And that's that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So they do. They share, pretty they, cool. They share some tools. They share some developers. Um, and so, yeah, they, they all coexist. Yep. Absolutely. So super cool. I thought that was uh, an mm -hmm. interesting just the way that they handle it. I, I I don't know any other distribution that works as closely with no, the... It's, it's different. Yeah. I, you know, and I was going to say like derivatives and I was going to say forks, but none of the, none of that's it's none right. None of the above. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just, it, it, it's all the same. It's really cool. They share a lot. Very much. Yeah. It's very cool. Anyway, uh, while looking through, I found an interview with Warren Woodford, who was the uh, BDFL benefit. The dictator ben benevolent that thing. dictator yeah that's that's life. the one yep of mepis uh an interview that he did back in december 12th of 2008 kind of describing um how mepis came about what what the whole point is why uh you know versus mepis versus ubuntu is it's really cool to read but um you know this is not a mepis thing so no. you know go go take a look at that it's really cool it's totally worth a read and it kind of gives you some insight as to where mx came from because a lot of the the spirit of Mepis is in MX. Yes. It's it's all super relevant, but again, the show's too long, so we gotta move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Starting back in 2013, August 10, I said it was the Mepis show, but then the first thing I say is Mepis. So August 10, 2013, Mepis 11.9.92 was Warren's last announcement on Mepis. After that goes dark. Nothing else from Warren about Mepis ever again. And uh, Jerry notes it in the forum. And interestingly enough, and I think after some digging, I figured out that Mepis 11.9.92 was actually a beta for Mepis 12. And I know this because I saw INXI output of that particular version and it showed up as Mepis 12. 
Okay. It makes sense with that funky version number. Yeah, very weird. But um that's that's what that is. It was it was them getting ready to roll a Mepis twelve, but it just never happened. Warren right. had to go back to work, make some money, you know, deal with life. So does get in the Mepis way just was never the same. Yeah. <laughs> Mepis was just never the same after that. And then slowly faded away. But um turns out that right about that time anyway, uh MX was in the works. So I feel like I feel like there was some information that just wasn't necessarily public that uh got both um Jerry and Anticapitalista talking about well what do we do now? And Jerry said, Well, why don't since since Mepis and Antics is there's, there's all this whole thing, we could just call it Mepis Antics twenty thirteen, because it was twenty thirteen, right? And <laughs> I mean that's kinda hard to say. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a mouthful there. Yeah, we got we got distributions like Debian, Red Hat, OpenSUSE, or just SUSE, right? And you mm-hmm. know things like that. Easy Arch, but Mepis Antics twenty thirteen, kind of tough. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so anyway, so Anticapitalista suggested just MX. Sure. How about just MX? Shorten it right up. And MX Linux was born twenty fourteen. It had been almost three years. Since the last release of Mepis, Simply Mepis 11, was released. And a little over half a year since the last beta of Mepis 12 was was released. So that was back in August. At the same time, okay, this is hard to say. I don't know. Uh, Solid X. I think Solid Solid X and Solid K. Solid X and Solid K peeled off quite a few users before MX could actually get any traction. So Mm -hmm. now MX has competition in this space. Right. March 24th, MX14 Symbiosis is released as, and here's the thing, they're not, they're still not fully MX Linux, but they're what seems to me to be like a derivative of Antics, and you know this because its name was Antics MX14, right? shipped with XFCE based on Debian 7 Wheezy. Yep, they were kind of released together, like coexisting, like we talked right. about, they were, they came out, you know together yeah yeah like like mx was kind of like a spin of antics at the time it was like side b of the tape yeah ooh, ooh, i like that i like it. I, okay you know what side b I, I feel like that might be a title or something <laughs> all right all right so i should have used this release man i mm-hmm. should have known about this i should have oh, got okay. on this i should have used it because there was specifically a fix for me for my laptop oh so i hadn't had an hp laptop back in the day and oh. it was um it was really annoying because anytime you logged into any new installation or whatever you had to go and configure the ACPI backlight kernel option before you could actually control the backlight it, uh. just, it just 100% brightness or off that was yeah. like the the only option you had burn your so, retinas or no light at all yeah exactly exactly there's no in between so you had to configure that um to like vendor or something and then you had to reboot whatever but mm-hmm. th- they had an option just right in oh, the, nice. the an- initial boot of that that just fixed it for me like i i, I could have been so much happier back then mm-hmm. but uh yeah anyway so antics mx14 shipped with cupzilla for its browser minitube for youtube a few of the MX utilities that we know today, like the Codex installer and the mm. user manager, and a couple that we don't, like the MX Flash Manager, because you know, Flash is dead. And the Meta Package Manager, though, Meta Package Manager didn't really die. It just 
it metamorph metamorphized for yeah, metamorphosed. Yeah, that's for that. sure. You know what? Morphed is the right word for that. Then June eighteenth, MX fourteen one dot one released with what will become the usual fixes and tweaks like Ice Weasel replacing Cubzilla and the emergence of the MX Package Installer. So the mm. meta, meta Package Manager turned into the MX Package Manager. Uh, and, and you know, obviously with some changes, it's what we use today. It's oh, still yeah. called that. Mm-hmm. Then June 30, MX 14.2 released with some bug fixes and modules for Broadcom wireless cards, which... My HP would also have been. Someone on the development team had the same laptop I did. Yeah, they probably did, right? I mean, it was probably very popular, so. Yeah, it's the only thing I can think, you know. It had a really good processor on it for the time. It was like Sandy Bridge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quad-core, eight-thread. It was it was, fanta- it was fast. But it wasn't Debian-friendly, um, so yeah. you had to put some work into it. Yeah, well, it was after MX got a hold of it. Well, so, yeah, yeah, but appreciate like, their if work. you just use stock Debian, probably no. Oh, oh, no, no. Too much proprietary in that. Yes, sir. So December 3rd, MX14.3 is released, which brought with it the MX Tools control panel. Now, we know this control panel now as MX Tools. You you look up MX Tools, you just type in Tools, click on that, you get a big old list of all these kinds of things that you can run and all that. That's still there. Mm -hmm. And it had lots of new things like the app notifier, boot repair, uh uh-huh, and Mm -hmm. switch user. Mm. to keep your system clean and sparkly and also as a replacement for the meta package manager. And now we finally see the emergence of the real live, true to life, here it is, MX package installer. It was was testy before. Now, here it is. 2015, March 22nd, MX 14.4 is released with Windows snapping. Okay, Windows 7 has had it for a little while. But hey, now XFCE gets Windows snapping, and another MX tool, the sound card selector. And you really needed it. No, sound cards back in the day were a horrible thing. Right. I mean, Pulse Audio was still, I mean, I, I, I don't think Pulse Audio was bad at this point, but it was certainly still getting fixed, patched. Things were getting improved, right? So MX was still using Alsa. And if you remember anything about Alsa, it was a pain to mm-hmm. do pretty much anything. Like outside of play audio. And you know what? Sometimes even that didn't work and you had to fiddle. So well, you remember your laptop with the 100% brightness or no brightness? Yeah. It, it was a lot like that where you didn't get the volume control. You just had, <laughs> you know, 100% volume or no volume. You know what? You know what? You got to have like an external tuner to to be able yeah, to control yep, your volume. So that that was the, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> much to the relief. Of people that love to give their data away, Google Chrome is now available directly yeah. from the MX package installer. And I, I think it's just important to note that this was extremely user friendly. It is. And it's been this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's been this way forever. And that was the whole entire point of all of this. And the fact that you can get Google Chrome, one of the very few distributions that would actually distribute this to you, is very nice. MX15 Fusion was released based on Debian 8.2 Jesse and brought with it systemd and experimental UEFI support. However, sysvnit would still be the default. I mean, foreshadowing a little bit, right? Right. And a shim was used when there needed to be translation between sysv and systemd. The process for adopting systemd was fairly trivial and was noted in the manual. 
the the user manager also got lots of fancy features as well as pretty much what we're using today. So by the way, the user manual, there was a user manual for every version mm -hmm. of MX, like, like an actual user. I mean, like a book. Yeah, doc you book. remember the thing? I don't remember if anybody's old enough to remember going to the store and picking up an actual version of Linux uh, off the store shelf and paying like 20, 30 bucks for it. Yeah, the thing that you were paying for technically was the, the manual, oh, yeah, and and impossibly <laughs> support. Well, they had the book. That's mm -hmm. that's one of the really cool things about this. Yeah, they shipped it. Stuff that you wanted to know about MX and would have normally had to scour the internet for. It's all print. It's all there. You could print one out if you wanted to, I guess. But sure. it's all written down, and it's very nice. So, 2016, December 14th, MX 16 released. And was based on Debian 8.6. Dan, remind me what the name of MX16 was. Is that Metamorphosis? Oh, jeez. I, I wrote I, it down. I know. I got I to gotta put you on the spot because you told me. I, I and did. Then, and, <laughs> and then I didn't write it down. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, right. yeah. Metamorphosis, yes. So MX16 Metamorphosis was released. And UEFI is now official. Still needs a little work, but depends on the hardware. Uh, as Dolphin Oracle uh, mentions in one of the videos, your motherboard pretty much dictated whether or not you yeah. were going to be able to use UEFI support. So that that was the big hold there. Right. But, I mean, it worked. Like, if you had yep. hardware that supported it, it worked just fine. In a lot of cases, uh, and, and comes with Antics build. Advanced live USB for remastering, frugal installation, custom snapshots, all that kind of stuff. Um, also, MX default look for customizing the way MX and Firefox looked. So before Firefox had, um, I guess, super easy Linux theming. Yeah. Didn't really have any. I think it just shipped with one. Yeah. And maybe um, you could install an extension to mess with some of that stuff. But I think so. They were kind of hacky. Yeah, but this was well before Quantum, and oh, yeah. you could do a lot of the fun stuff that you can do now. You yeah, know, there absolutely. was no colorways back oh, then. Oh, no. Okay? So that's what that default look was for. And honestly, the way it looked then, besides a tweak or two of the theme, is how it looks today. Uh, they, they know what they want, and they make it happen. There was, there was um, I can't remember the exact year, because I didn't note it, but I did notice it in some of the videos. They went with a bit of a lighter gray theme mm -hmm. in uh, like a year or two later. But then we came back to that real dark gray that, that we, yeah. we've gotten used to, right? Mm -hmm. So the XFCE version, this this is it. 2016, we, we peaked. That's what it looks like. That's how it is. Well, you know, consistency is good. Yeah, it is. 2017, moving right along. March 10th. The blog is launched, and my life got way easier <laughs> yeah. doing the history. By the way, you go look back, click on these links. They're all from the archive. They're all from archive.org, man. So prior to 2017, it was tough yeah. to, to dig this stuff up, man, because um, you would find some link, and it was dead, and then you would hope that that link showed up in archive, and archive's like, nope, sorry, don't have that one. And so <laughs> you would have to like scour for some other link that would link you into the old Mepis forums, and then you could start, yeah, because a lot of the MX stuff happened in the Mepis forum. As it right. was starting up. Right, right. And then it wasn't until maybe 2015, 2016 that they all had MX Linux forums. Anyway, and it was split, so it was, it was a little different. I'm going to make the bold statement and say this is kind of when they became their own. 
really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is this is coming of age, if you will. Yeah, this was this was I'm moving out, y'all. It's over. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be my own person and I'm gonna get my own apartment and And they yeah, did a lot I'm, of that. Yeah, like a lot of those yep. things happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the blog was launched and mm-hmm. you know, other than my life being easier, <laughs> lots of information. Yeah. Uh you know, it it was one central location to to take a look at whatever was going on. So a couple of days later, we saw the first unofficial respin of KDE four authored by Steve O, which is a bit of an echo to I guess 2019, 2020. But mm-hmm. KDE four, not yep. five, not plasma, KDE. Four. <laughs> well, it's based on Debian stable, so right. kind of fits. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So little little time later, June 8th, MX16.1 is released with experimental support for home folder encryption. Which is cool. Built, yes. Built right into the installer and UEFI support has shaped up with full support. MX default look absorbed the MX panel orientation. So this was I don't know what you XFCE guys were doing back in 2017. But apparently it was difficult to move that bar? Yeah, well, it was a little... Like, you had to dig into about four different settings, I feel like, to okay. actually get there where you could... You got to un- unlock it and then click this, that, the other thing, and then you can move it around, or at least okay. that's the way it's been for a little while. It's not, it really, it's not straightforward, necessarily. Okay, well, I mean, MX thought it was difficult enough that they had to write their own tool for it because that was they the did. main purpose of MX panel orientation. They got a couple of the features here and there, but its main purpose was by default, the XFCE panels on the left-hand side, as it is today, mm-hmm. you could put it on the bottom kind of as a more traditional look. But they wrote a whole app for it. Yeah. A well, whole app. Made it. <laughs> they, they did. Well, it's a scratch your own itch sort of thing. I totally, 100%. And I, I appreciate that they wrote it. I'm sure that folks that don't like it on the left, I'll have more to say about that later, um, also likely appreciated the ability to pop it on the bottom. So, yeah, but this tool gets kind of rolled into a different grouping, if you will, at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so MX Default Look starts to become a little bit more like what we know of, like as GNOME Tweaks, right? Right. Uh, where it can do a lot of different little shenanigans on your desktop. That's what default look is shaping up to be. And it can now hit Debian backports and the MX test repo. This is the MX package installer. Nice. You're able to now reach in and install stuff from there or from the test repo, which is be sparing with that stuff because you can right. you can you but can break stuff. Backports you know. maybe not quite as bad. Well, you yeah, because you need backports eventually to just keep running on Debian after the first couple of years or something, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but you're going to get some newer packages there, though, too. True. A little bit. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, December 15th, MX17 is released based on Debian 9 Stretch. After two months of beta and a release candidate, with MX still championing 32-bit architectures, lots of MX app updates, which include the ability to bring in packages from Debian testing and SID even, get real dangerous. Yeah, that's... <laughs> this is also the first appearance of Conky. So, you know that big old honking clock on the desktop? That thing. Mm-hmm. 2018. February 18th. Some incorrect package dependencies forced an incomplete upgrade to LibreOffice 6. Oopsie. 
But not, not for everybody. Not for everybody. It's for you silly terminal users out here just running apt upgrade. Yeah. And that's uh -uh. the thing they tell you to use. Yeah, right? Be safe about your things. Be safe about... No. So the MX updater's default is apt-get dist upgrade. Mm. And if you ran apt-upgrade or apt-get upgrade, that broke things. So, um, yeah, it broke LibreOffice 6 and eh, maybe some video thing, but I didn't write that down, so I can't say that for sure. Either way, LibreOffice right. 6 was busted. So, um, yep. yeah, if you wanted LibreOffice 6, uh, you had to hold on for just a little bit while they fixed that up. Crazy terminal folk. I know. Stop using the terminal, right? What do you, what do you, ugh, come on, guys. Linux is full on GUI. You can use the GUI 100% of the time. Just why don't you just use the GUI? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that would have bit me actually. That particular oh, bug probably would me have, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I'm I'm pretty conservative with with that kind of thing. I uh, do most yeah. of all the updates that way. Yeah. 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 Guilty. Yeah. Anyway, March 14th, MX 17.1 released with more MX apt update app app not apt app updates that include the ability to automatically upgrade your system in the background. But obviously no one enabled it for fear of being labeled a Windows apologist, right? Updates in the background. Are oh, you kidding without me? without my permission? <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm going to check each individual update box, sir. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Full disclosure, I probably would have checked the box. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the point releases, though, MX monthly snapshots were a thing. And in the post about them... They were described as a better kept secret of MX Linux. Yeah, I'm I'm a click on the download link and just get that one. Whatever that is, that's Agreed. all right. Cool. But luckily with those snapshots, you didn't really need them if you already already had MX installed. Just installing stuff that was the snapshot. So right. no big deal. Right, right. May 31st. Wheezy is dead. And that means so is MX14. So if you had it installed. You needed to get off it. Mm -hmm. August 7th, MX Boot Options was added and is the tool we see today. I love this tool. I love the boot options. This tool. Yeah. It's amazing. What I do is I go in there and I turn off the weight. Oh, I yeah. want to just immediately into MX. Will that bite me sometime in the future? Probably. But I, I, I feel very confident. You can install TimeShift if you need to roll back or something like that. I mean, you That's have an option. options. Yep. But, um, you know, like, it, it makes my boot process feel slow when I have to wait for the 3, 5, 12, 15, depending on your distro, seconds for Grub to be like, are you sure this is the kernel you want? I just installed it, man. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah. Who cares if it bricks my machine? Exactly, Dan. I have backups. Because, uh, you know, I've been bitten by not having backups too many times in the past. So Yeah, I think we've all been there. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, I love that tool. It's an amazing tool. Um, that's, that's really what I use it for. But you can change, like, the picture in the background and all kinds of cool stuff. The, the, oh, yeah, it's very customizable. It's really cool. All kinds of stuff. Yep. September 9th, flat packs have made it into the MX package installer. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that is, again, another thing that we see... Today and by the way, it's amazing. It's I like very. That. I, I like that tab in the MX package installer uh, because I can just you know, yeah, that one and 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 that one. Mm -hmm. And cool, mm -hmm. go. All right. December twentieth, MX eighteen continuum released. 
based on Debian 9.6 Stretch with lots of changes to other MX apps like the installer to add Lux encrypted disk options. Very nice. I think this is about where I really started to pay attention to MX. And I, I think so. I, like I had, I had some machines that I sort of kept around and started running MX on. Mm-hmm. So this is about where I really come into the picture. Yeah, I think I was I was very staunchly Ubuntu or Ubuntu derivative at this time. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I knew of MX. I had at least heard of it, but never used it. I mean, I should have. As I said, back in uh, whenever that was, very first release of MX, they had fixes for my hardware. Yeah. I, sh- I should have done it. <laughs> right? I should have known, uh, but I didn't. Anyway, January 18th, a new bug manager is introduced to handle ever the ever-increasing user base at bugs.mxlinux.org. February 9th, MX18.1 released to fix some uh, issues in the MX installer, add repos to the MX repo manager, and update the manual. Yay. I love the manual. That manual's so manual's good. manual's good. Yeah. March 6th, the new MX Linux website. Yep. Again, the one you see today. So that facelift was in 2019, and it was launched using WordPress instead of the old Drupal infrastructure that they had before, and that made it way easier for people on mobile to check out the website. It scaled right. WordPress does a really good job at like scaling things to all the different sizes yep. of screens and whatever. Um, so I, I imagine that had a lot to do with why they chose WordPress over other options. Sure. April 7th, MX18.2 is released with improvements to the installer again, and now with different encryption cipher options. So for those of you that are extra paranoid, you have extra options to choose from. Uh, I don't know that any other installer allows you to do that. It just picks for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think most yeah. of them. Well, I, I imagine that's like choice overload, right? For most folks that just want to, I don't know, yeah. what, whatever, just encrypt it. I just, don't care. Just make it encrypted, right? Yeah, three three DES, that's fine. Yeah. uh then april 27th debian retired the systemd shim package that mx was using to play both sides of the field right like Mm -hmm. um but mx wanted to keep running with it and so they they uh created a bounty for fixing it set at 500 smackaroonies so um, and pretty quickly they got some, they got some traction on that. And I don't know if I specifically mention it, but they do resolve it. It it does actually work out in their yep. favor. So that, that's cool. Like it's not a huge bounty, but it's like a bounty. And so here's, here's another way to get some money in open source. Yeah. I mean, if you can write that thing in, in five hours, maybe 10 hours or something like that, that's not bad. Right? Not bad at all. MX 18.3 on May 26th was released with even more work done to the installer. And this installer, what happened, is what freaked me out. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, yeah, it just out of the blue. And I'm like, what? I didn't even, uh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, June, yeah. 27th, June 22nd, a kernel issue showed up. Uh-oh. After an update that prevented <laughs> users from compiling packages against the 4.19 kernel. And as you can imagine... It didn't go down well for folks using NVIDIA or Broadcom or VirtualBox. Or yeah, any of those DKMS module any, things. Oh, yep. Not good. Um, using a different kernel was the quick fix. <laughs> yeah, just swap your kernel out. That's easy. Yeah, except Leo disabled that in his boot menu. 
<laughs> See what I mean? The choices I make are not necessarily good choices for everybody. They're just the choices I make, right? Like, you know, I'm glad I don't have Nvidia, um, but I but VirtualBox would have broken, and I would have been sad about that. But, yeah, you um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, that was uh, using a different kernel was the quick fix, um, but it wasn't really needed for too terribly long, as the offending kernel update was removed from the repos. Yeah. October 21st, MX19, Patito Feo, which I guess if you translate that to English is the Ugly Duckling, based on Debian 10.1 Buster. I didn't get a reasoning for why they named it the Ugly Duckling. I'm sure there was a reason, but I could not find it. But um, yeah, of course, with all the Debian updated goodness, as you would expect, and lots of work to the MX tools. November 25th, MX backports the Debian 10 kernel back to MX18, which was based on Debian 9. So that's cool. I feel like this was part of the catalyst or part of the, the, the bring up to Oz because it was playing with different kernels that didn't necessarily match what Debian was doing. Because four days later, yeah, this, the yeah. Oz repo was born, which contained a newer kernel. That would support systems that had newer hardware, and it was only available through the MX package installer. This is an MX kernel available through the MX package installer that normal Debian users wouldn't be able to get. Yep. So they have other avenues, obviously, to get newer kernels, but it wasn't the easy point and click. This, this, yeah, just give me the new one yep. that Oz is. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You're a Linux Mint user and yeah we did do linux mint you know back early early on like episode three or something first yeah. episode maybe first few oh, i don't think it was the first one well but... maybe it was third episode yeah it was know. definitely early it was it, first five for sure i'd have to look at the tracking thing which is awesome by the way we have a we have a tr episode tracker that tells you every distro we've ever done every app we've ever talked about go check it out super cool go to linux show you know episode tracking <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Linux Mint has a has a really cool way to do the kernel selection as well um, in in their package manager. So yes, and I'll I'll have just a small tidbit to say about that here in just a minute. Yep, sure. So 2020, we're almost current. January 31st, the Fluxbox 2.0 beta was ready for testing and marked the eventual inclusion of Fluxbox as official. Cool. February 14th, uh, MX19.1 was released and saw the official inclusion of MX Fluxbox. So it only took a few days, a couple weeks. Yeah. And it's supporting packages. And of course, the usual bug fixes and MX app updates that we get every point release or every major release. Yep. May 31st. MX19.2 was released and included an OEM switch. Dan, we were talking about this before the show. We did. An o OEM switch that allowed the OEM style installations that allow you to install it and then turn it off and then give it to someone. And then when they turn it on, they get to configure all the usernames yep. and all this stuff. So, yeah, definitely. By the way, uh, Bruno let us know. It's not episode one or three. Episode two. <laughs> Linux Mint is episode two. <laughs> <Whoops>. <sighs> yeah. 
Anyway, uh, June 27th, Star Labs offers MX Linux pre-installed on their laptops utilizing the Oz editions. I think you had to. I don't think you could actually use the Debian kernel on those because it was hardware that the was too new. The too new, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, with the advent of Oz that allowed yeah, absolutely. laptop makers to, to do this, and Star Lab was the first up. Nice. And if, if you look, MX is still an option today. Still an option for Star Labs, yeah. June 30th, Debian 8 Jesse is end of life, and that marks both MX15 and MX16, which are both based on Debian 8, dead. Goodbye, MX15 and 16. July 5th, the first ever KDE build of MX hits beta. Okay, so like like MX sanctioned and not just someone Yeah, community community respin sort of thing, yeah. Exactly. This is becoming official official. So, this is the third desktop environment, if you will. Yes. That's so available. started with XFCE from forever, then Flexbox a little while ago, and now we hit KDE. So that's big. And What's what's cool about that is that Mepis had a KDE version, and this is the first time, officially anyway, we see any whiffs of the spirit of Mepis coming back, and we see some KDE. August 16th, MX19.2, KDE released. So, there it is, officially, August 16th. It's 64-bit only, comes with Oz out of the box, but not enabled as far as I understand, because when I installed it, it was the LTS. Some parts of the Oz are 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 enabled. Oh, okay. But like, okay. Uh, to be compatible with the appropriate plasma uh, version that oh. it gets shipped with, I think it's locked at that kernel version. I see. Okay. Since, uh, but since it's Plasma, applications using the Qt library are given preference. All the usual MX tools and the Antics Live USB tools and Snapshots tools are all included, just like the XFCE version. So, just swapping out the DE. September eighth, the MX Workbench is released. I really appreciate things like this. This looks uh, cool. Yeah. Yes, it's it's. I mean. In the spirit of antics, it's a just a, a live environment, low resource um, set of tools that um, that you can use to just admin machines, fix machines, whatever you want to do. It has like things like RK Hunter for rootkit detection, Remina yep. for remote uh, desktop, Wireshark for checking out what's going on in the network, uh, CMOS password to like blank BIOS passwords, which is an amazing tool, by the way. Yes, and a ton of other uh, a ton of other tools kind of in that same vein. Yeah. October 9th, MX19.2 Base Edition is released. So another type of edition that is still XFCE or Flexbox, if you prefer, that basically comes with no apps, which if you want to build your own MX, I mean, this is the way you do it. Sure. S start with the base edition, install only what you want to. Don't ever install LibreOffice 6 and you'll never run into <laughs> yeah. any kind of weird <laughs> they're issues. Be, they're you know? beyond that at this point, though. Yeah, well beyond, I know. It's really cool. Uh, and so from the devs, like what they say about it is, MX Base is perfect for people who desire to run MX in a single-use environment. Here are some real-world, uh, and they, they have some real-world uh, examples on, mm -hmm. on the website. So click on the link. You can see all the kind of fun stuff that they were talking about. 
So November 11th, uh, MX19.3 is released as mostly bug fix and MX app updates and continues to release with the Oz kernel, if you want it. And November 26th, an announcement about what'll happen with MX20. Because I know you've been thinking it, but wait a minute, Leo and Dan, you were talking about MX21 and then you just start top, stop talking about MX19. And if my math is correct, the next one is MX20. Well, it's um, going to be skipped. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. They just skipped it. And uh, because as we've seen so far, end of the year is typically when MX will get its major revision. Big release, yeah. However, starting with 19.2, MX users started getting kernel bumps along with Debian as opposed to the backported testing kernels from the past. And also, the Oz kernel really stole the thunder. Yeah. Of all of the new releases anyway. Don't the whole reason release. you would want, yeah, <laughs> you would want that is so that you could take advantage of some of that stuff. Um, lots of the things that would have ended up being in MX20 pretty much ended up in the Oz kernel and that repository anyway. Right. So not much of a need. So a Christmas miracle. December 25th, XFCE 4.16 is available with caveats, of course. Um, I think uh, 4.16 wasn't 100% stable on the Debian base that, that MX19 was on. So there were, some, there were some issues, a couple of regressions that you had to deal with, but it was available. It was shortly after it got released, though. Yeah, it, that's another point about right? that is, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, being on MX has been a bit of a roller coaster, but mm -hmm. man... You get some really cool quality of life, and especially yeah. in XFCE, XFCE's case, um, some really cool features and version bumps that you wouldn't get anywhere else in the direct Debian ecosystem. So it's really yeah, cool. certainly not. 2021. We're almost done. I promise. February 20th. MX Fluxbox rag out. I said ragamuffin earlier <laughs> and rag, ragdoll and uh, rag out. Everything but rag out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we guessed everything but Ragout. So, Ragout. For the Raspberry Pi was released. Uh, this was for the Pi 3, Pi 4, and 400. But uh, still all the normal MX flavor, everything you'd expect yep. in an MX anything but on a Pi. So right. that was really cool. It is really cool. And um, I'll jump in here. And sorry Ooh. to make it longer. Um, of and, course, and why not? And say that um, I actually have this installed on a Pi 3B. And Ooh. it it performs really well. Um, so better compare for me if you can against Raspberry Pi OS. Mm -hmm. So I haven't tried the 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 very latest uh, Raspberry Pi OS, um, but the earlier Raspbian. Uh, this is better than that, uh, hands down. Wow. So very low memory consumption. Um, a lot of useful tools are included and, um, I'll just say like, it's, it's, you're never going to get absolute excellent YouTube video watching on this, uh, but it, well, it does it with very little stuttering. Well, that's, that's less MX and more Raspberry Pi hardware. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's okay, the hardware. Right, right. Um, but if you put too much stuff on top of that. And, you know, you know, as far as if it's trying struggling to run the operating system itself before you go trying to do any of these other things, um, it's not going to perform well. Right. So, yeah, I think the fact that it's so light 
um, lets it utilize all of the hardware that is possible. And yeah, it, it does a good job. It does a real good job. Very stable. Um, and uh, I've been impressed. Yeah. And th- I mean, it just gives you the ability to use an extra hundred megs of RAM because Fluxbox is so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, running a desktop on a tiny little piece of hardware like that is, is, um, not going to be super performant. But when you can accomplish some simple tasks, um, and, and just have something that's very low energy consumption available, that's kind of handy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So March 31st, did you know MX Linux made games? Okay, they don't, but they did, <laughs> in in my experience, create the best game ever. I called it the Password Strength Indicator Simulator. <laughs> so they have well, they cool. have this little <laughs> this little meter beside the password uh, beside the password box that you know as you as you. And, and most installers have this, but theirs is different. Like it, it's um, it's, it it's a different. vertical box that, as you type in your password, it grows and shrinks depending on your your password. And like the um, double tapping, yeah, yeah, double double tapping any key will shrink it. And I, I realized this pretty quick. Oh sure, but I yeah. couldn't. And I mean, I feel like unless you go to thirty two characters, man, that thing will never fill up. But it's like thirty two complex. Yeah. Characters, you got to have all four styles, uppercase, lowercase, numbers, and symbols. You got to do all of it. Like, I feel like you got to get Bitwarden out in a situation where you can't use Bitwarden to generate a password to put in here to get it to be like 100%. Yeah, yeah, because memorizing 32 unique characters and symbols, Oh yeah, that's a tough that, one. That's too much. That's a tough that's one. That's too much. It's going to take you a while. The, re- the reason I call it a game is because I, li- I sat there, man. I literally sat there <laughs> for like 15, 20 minutes trying to figure out what combination of under 20 characters would fill the box. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. So That's take cool. that for, uh, you know, here it is. Call to action. Can you show me if you can get that thing to fill all the way up? I want to see a screenshot of somebody filling that meter all the way up. How did you do it? It's like when you go to the How? fair and you're, you're swinging that big hammer and you're yeah. trying to ding the bell. Yeah. yeah. Can you ding the bell? I can't. I obviously cannot ding the bell. I was not able to ding the bell. And I just, I just, I, I settled for two thirds. Fine. Fine. <laughs> anyway, um, MX snapshots in that same version, 19.4 gained CLI capabilities and a lot of nice tweaks, updates and bug fixes. Um, and now, Dan's favorite company, <sighs> MX Linux, is available through shells. Hmm. I know, Dan. I know. I'm not going to say much. A little, a little, a little free node, a little shells. I mean, whatever. No big deal. I mean, all all the distros are doing it. Dan, just hop on the bandwagon. Just go ahead. Get no, get in on that. No, all thank right? you. I'm not shilling for shells. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, July 28th marked the first beta of MX21, and then October 21st we saw. MX21, Wildflower, the one we are using today, mm-hmm. released based on Debian 11 Bullseye. They added the Mesa Vulcan drivers by default. Ooh, so nice. Better LVM and UEFI install support and a ton of XFCE comfort. They called it comfort. That's actually the name of it. And Fluxbox optional tweaks. So I feel like up to this point, Wildflower is probably the best release of MX of all time. 
of well, all time. I, I think so too. Yeah, they've all which, they've which, all been good. Which makes sense. They just iterative uh, in, improvements every every time. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of days later, October twenty fifth, a reminder that even with beta testing issues will still arise. Sure. Shortly after release, issues with Pulse, Firefox, and Oz installed. If you had them all three installed at the same time. Caused uh, conflicting libav packages for users that opted into the Oz kernel uh, that made it into the Oz repo. So just caused some weird issues where you had to like uninstall, reinstall Pulse and Firefox and like reinstall your kernel and all kinds of weird stuff. Um, but again, uh, fixed fairly quickly for most folks. Sure. Then uh, about a month later, November 22nd, we saw the release of the Oz XFCE ISO. December 29th. Disk Manager and System Config Samba were deprecated as Python 2. So, um, I don't know if y'all know how hard it is to set up Samba. I am not a fan. Mm, no, it's a pain. I am I'm absolutely not a fan. I mean, Dan, I know you've seen those configuration files. They're like a mile long. They can be, yeah. And, and oh, help you if you have more than like two groups. One of one of my colleagues says uh, Samba is a SMB clever hack. I mean, yeah, I mean it is. It, it, it is. is. It it hooks so, into it, what it, it's not supposed to hook into. You know, right? So <laughs> in doing so, obviously, it gets very complicated. It does. Those configuration files are terrible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely terrible. So I've refused to do it so much so that I just dropped it all together in my home network and I use SSHFS instead. Yeah, that works. Or NFS or insert other file system yeah because i i learned server admin on fedora before it was like you know the red hot pro red hat property and all this mm -hmm. stuff like i mean fedora core and system config samba i'm pretty sure it was available back then and it made things way easier because mm -hmm. it was like windows where you could just be like yeah this one that one these permissions those users cool great awesome and then so they dropped it and then i hated samba after that because i had to configure it by hand terrible mm -hmm. so Anyway, uh, Disk Manager and System Config Samba were deprecated in Debian, but they were so popular in the MX community that Disk Manager was ported with permission to Python 3 by Nightcoder and Felix, and, I can't believe it, System Config Samba was rewritten as MX Samba Config by Adrian and Dolphin Oracle. See, I told you. Yeah, no, Dolphin, Dolph Dolphin Oracle's out here slinging code, man. Oh, yeah. I, definitely. Anyway, uh, just, I can't believe it. It exists. It's like, cool. it's a thing. It's cool. I, I, I need to steal it because or just um, if, if I it. ever have to do Samba again, uh, a tool like this will save me yeah. so much time and headache. And I'll have to buy a second server because that's the first one's going to end up on the floor. <laughs> I mean, it's, once you get it right, it's great. You know, you never touch it ever again. And just, you know, worst case scenario, restart Samba, no big deal, right? But until you get it to that point where it's working perfectly, it's such a pain yeah. to get it to get it going, man. Anyway, users and groups and permissions. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. Too much. Yep. Yep. It's too much. Okay. 2022. Last thing I'll tell you, because that's the end of the history. February 2nd, saw the first beta of the Raspberry Pi Respin Ragout 2 come out. So, Dan, this will please you, as yeah, that will likely be something that you can take advantage of on your RPi 3. Yep. But yep. Um, that was just days ago, Leo. That was like a I week know. ago. Just, just, yeah. 
ish. I know. It's it's amazing. Like uh, as we started writing the history, it turns out, hey, they gave us one more for funsies. Yep. So I'm I'm excited about that. I I, I can't wait to see that officially get released because I'm fairly sure I'm going to be deploying that on my Pi. Yeah. Super cool. Super lightweight. Mm. Yep. Very nice. All right. So that's the end of the history. Dan, I got to know, we, we've, we've seen how MX has started, what happened in the middle, what it's looking like now. What do you think of it? I got to say, I really, really love the MX tools and applications. They, uh-huh. they are not necessarily the most beautiful applications that you'll find out there. Um, you know, yeah. visually, perhaps. Yeah, I'll give you but, that. But they are excellent in their functionality. Um, and they, uh-huh. I, I'll, I'll equate it a little bit to like the Garuda Assistant. Like that's another one that's not super beautiful looking. Um, hundred percent. But not not that it, not that it's beautiful, although true. hundred percent that it's like the Garuda tools. <laughs> oh yeah, no, very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. Although these are like individual tools, whereas Garuda Assistant has them all bundled into the one application, perhaps. Right. Um. So I I think um and they're obviously geared more towards Debian than they are, you know, Arch. Um, so what what you're saying is that MX and Garuda both should be just leveraging Libidweta to make things look pretty. Um, I don't know. You think that'll make it look pretty? You heard, you heard it here first, folks. Dan Dan said use Libidweta. Maybe not pretty. That's still not pretty. <laughs> oh, 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 no. But it All is right. the only one, as they say. All right. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Um. I don't know. I don't. Does it need to be like? I don't think so. You don't live in. I don't in, think so. I mean, you, you don't yeah, live in it, right? You you launch them once to fix the problem, and then you probably never look at them again. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree. They don't have to be pretty. They just need to be functional, and they are that. They are that. So I think they're fantastic for what they do. Um, my favorite, um, probably is the package installer and all of oh, the wow. functions that you get in that. Like nobody it, else uses. No, no. Nobody else has a package installer that I feel like is so all inclusive. It's chocked full. Ah, any 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 kind of MX package, whether it's mm-hmm. like Debian stable, Debian testing, Debian SID, um, the MX repo, flat packs, like all so, of it. So, so when you do something from like Debian testing or or whatever, like you can install just an application from that. You don't. You know need what? To Maybe pull in all of the. Like all packages that way, right? Yeah. So sometimes you have to be careful when you enable another repo if it's going to start pulling in unrelated packages to the one you just installed, right? Especially in right. Debian. Whereas this will just pull in the the one you want and any dependencies that, that need to go with it. And then it kind of shuts the door and says, nope, go back and still use your stable ones, which is great. Very nice. Exactly right, and and so so I got to walk that back a little bit. Um, there is another one kind of like it, and it's like it's Paymac, Paymac. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Right, because because it's 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 a all in one packagey thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like I feel like you could you could well, Baw uh, does some of that too, right? We we did look at Baw. That was another one that we used. Um, True. Um, and that sort of does some of that too but i still feel like this is better for some reason and it, and it encompasses I, it in a different way and it's obviously again geared towards debian so it has to be a little different it felt so mx it did <laughs> it, it, it fit it, it in really with everything did. yeah 
But like like you said, flat packs are there as well, and uh, that's super handy. And uh, you know, click click install all of those things. And is we did the I did the plasma version, so it still didn't interfere with um, Discover. You could still use Discover, yes, and update and install things too. That's and actually 100% true because I I did exactly what you're talking about. I did I did flat packs mm-hmm. in the the that software and I installed a oh bpytop. I used uh mm-hmm. mx uh the mx package installer to install bpytop which surprised the heck out of me that it was even in there, but then I realized I shouldn't have been surprised because there's a ton of software in yeah. the mx repos there that is. aren't anywhere else. So, I mean, they, they package it up for you, obviously. They do. And and, and current so, versions, too, were pretty close. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one behind or two. Pretty close, yeah. But pretty good. A lot better than most Debian things. Yeah, so so I did flat packs. I did some MX, uh, MX repo mm-hmm. stuff. I did a couple of regular packages that way. I think Audacity was one of them. And sure. then, after all of that, decided, ah, heck, why not? Let's just open up Discover and see if it just crashes, because it has a and reputation for it that. it did not. And it, I know it was very stable. That did not affect the performance of Discover at all. I know. So I was very impressed. Very impressed with that. So, I I find that one to be my absolute favorite tool. Um, yeah, hands down. It's really good. It's really good. My my favorite, mm-hmm. the installer. The okay. installer because because it was it, a new it does a good job. That is also me. very good. I am impressed with that as well. The the thing that I noticed about it was that, oh, it's fast. Oh, very like, fast. On on my laptop, maybe a minute and a half, mm-hmm. maybe to copy. I didn't time it. It wasn't scientific, but man, it was fast. And on the VM that I did of XFCE, it was literally a minute. That's Just, quick. It, it it got through the installer before, like it got through the copying of the files before I could finish the installer. Like it's that fast. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, wow. If oh, I know. Need, and, no- and so they, you know, they ask you the usual questions, your name and your password and all of those things. And you're right. And so by the time you get done with that, like it's done. Yeah. It's just done. Exactly. It takes you longer to enter your stuff in. Yep. It's it's unique as well. So, I mean, nobody else has yeah, nobody it. nobody else um, is using it. And I, it, it, that's almost unbelievable in a way. Yeah. And, and nobody it's, else um, has adopted it. It's, uh, and uh, his name escapes me at the moment, uh, but Warren Woodford. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's a lot of his original the code, original. The Gazelle installer, and then MX, the team, has added on various features to it, like the encryption and all that other stuff. Um, but one of the things that, that I very much appreciate in MX that I don't know exists anywhere else, I think it automatically happens in another distro, but I cannot remember what it is. But it asks you, do you want to, like the changes that you've made during the live session? Oh, yeah. Do you Co- want to copy, copy those, those configs? Over. Yeah, so you're just straight in. You don't have to redo all the. That's so frustrating mm-hmm. because you make these changes, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot this is live. I got to install, so I install, and then I got to do everything again, and that that annoys me. But the thing that got me though, and I mentioned it earlier, scared the crap out of me. Yeah, because I'm going through, I'm clicking next, 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 and I'm uh, answering the questions, and I'm waiting. For it to be like, hey, uh, where do you want to put the EFI oh. know, boot boot junk? And I'm like, oh, yeah, why is the bar moving? Why is it installing? And I realize that I just need to click next. 
and then it will ask then me it's because ask you. yeah, because at the end of all the installers, it it does the EFI thing. It's never usually at the yeah. At the the beginning. bootloader is the last thing it does. Right. So it just I've never seen it before. Hence the unique and. Yep. It just scared me because I was like, oh, no, I'm about to overwrite, like, my no. other disk's EFI. It's just getting and your data no. lined up for you. and, and it, it's. But I guess that's efficient because it's doing stuff while it's waiting for you. Exactly. And that, that's why I appreciate it so much and why it caught me so off guard that why would you ask me this now? Oh, no. But. You can. Why wouldn't you ask after it started doing stuff? I'll, I'll keep moving while you decide where you want to put your EFI partition. <laughs> I think that kind of efficiency is really kind of what's behind a lot of the decisions to yeah. make a lot of the MX tools in the first place. Yep. That there's there's no easy way to do this. So ah, let's just whip up a tool for it mm-hmm. and make it easy. Mm-hmm. And man, man, they, they hit the mark on... On those tools. And I love them as much as I love the Garuda tools that I have yeah. uh, in the Garuda episode. That was that was my favorite thing about Garuda. And in the MX episode, well, guess what? It's my favorite thing about MX. Because it's flavored Debian, but the tools that they add are are the value add Absolutely. to MX. This is why you want to do it. Obviously, Oz is great. Obviously, the MX packages that they package up themselves are great, but the tools that will help you get back on track when you accidentally make a stupid mistake like I do all the time because I'm me, um, it's amazing. They've they've thought these things out. Right. They, probably because they've had these problems, but that's that's what I love about it. It's so great. Well, yeah, because you'd ask yourself, like, you know, why would I install Garuda? I mean, I just install Arch and then I can do all these things on, on right. top of it. Well, yes, you can. But isn't or... it nice when somebody gives you some tools to go with that? And exactly. the same thing goes here. Like, I, you, sure, you could install Debian and build it up and do all those things and then, you know, build your own tools. But no, somebody's got that for you. Like, here, let's use this. Exactly. I like seatbelts, visors, stereos, gas pedals, all that stuff in my cars, you know? Yeah, but I don't like, want to like... weave the seatbelt before I have to install it and then it... buckle it and all of that. Exactly. I, what I don't want is a roll cage with wheels, all right? Like, mm-hmm. g- give me the niceties. Give me the seat warmers and all that stuff, man. Like, it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to come into a distribution that has thought about the things that you're going to encounter one day. Yeah, because it's amazing. It's like, great. Like you said, quality of life improvements and just little, you know, scratch your itch sort of tools. And yeah. and they're great. They really are. Yeah. The, and, the, they, and they have uh, Josh mentioned they have uh, an iDevice mounter. Uh, yeah. That will allow you to play with your Apple stuff. That, yep. Uh, your your iDevice things. Yep. As well. And again, just there. They know that there are Linux folks out there that have Linux on the desktop or laptop and ios in their hand yeah do do a lot of other distros have that no they don't yeah so that's cool <laughs> yeah at best you get that little shared storage stuff uh yeah. with, with your ios whatever and right. you know whatever you think about ios mx folks have handled that they thought and about it it's it's amazing i love it so the the other tool that i really want to draw some attention to and i had it on my list here was the snapshot tool I don't know if you've ever messed with that. It's great. Basically, you build up your system the way you want, and then Mm -hmm. you can create your own ISO that you can go deploy. Yep. You build your own. The same way that it remembers how to port your live stuff over to the actual install is the same way that it creates a snapshot so that you can 
if everything goes awry, reinstall everything's the way that you had it the moment you took that snapshot. And then all you got to do is hopefully you back them up, put your files back in the right spot. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And you're back to normal. You're back running again. The the other thing that they have is is a really handy way to create a persistent uh, live USB that you can, yes. you can cart around. I think of it like Tails, but not not necessarily anonymous, right? Right. But you, but you want a functional Linux machine that you can carry in your pocket and yeah, plug the pa- in. Yeah, the packages and go. you want, the configs that you want, things that you need. Even even your files, like it's got a persistent, yep. you know, storage that you can put like you know documents and things like that on there, and you mm-hmm. can you can carry that around, and they just make it so simple. It's like yep. I don't know, just a couple of clicks and away you go. And this is this is what I was talking about, or like at the top of the history that MX and Antics mm-hmm. are yep. a family. They are close. They are tight knit. This is why, because those snapshotting tools, those USB Live persistence tools, things like that, those are Antics tools. Originally, so, yeah, they've improved them and made them you know course. better and kept up with them and all of those things. But yeah, no, originally that's where it started, and they just kind of kept going with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other thing was um, everybody likes to complain about Flatpak, right? I mean, every time you get Flatpak installed by default, besides a couple of distributions, you got to go like manually add Flathub. Oh, Flathub. Yeah. Yeah. Not an MX. You go to the Flatpak tab in the MX package installer mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, by the way, you know, hey, Flatpak and, you know, danger and whatever. You know, the right. Normal. And then you click OK and it's boom. There's all the Flatpaks. There you are. Just install them, whatever you want. But it it's puts it right out there in style. front of you too, telling you that it's using Flathub. Yeah, exactly. It, so it's synaptic you, style, and I'm yep. not a, I'm not a huge fan of synaptic style things, but it's okay. But I, I don't have to go to Flathub for it, and I don't have to use a terminal, which is great. So I could just click on the ones that I want, install them, never think about it again. But if you wanted to use a different Flatpak repo, you could add it in there too. Yeah, like it has a, has a way to do that right in the GUI. Like it's all it's all in there. Yep the 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 package management system or the GUI that they have. Um, yeah, just another well thought out piece of software that you obviously has gone through iterations, but you know, the way that it's, it's, it is now is just very complete. I I did not need to go outside of it. I did because I like to, but I wouldn't have needed to, had I not known how to do things in the terminal or by myself or whatever, that tool is very complete Yes, and I I cannot think of a single thing I would have added to it, other than maybe snaps. But I don't think that's really a thing. Like I don't I don't think they want yeah, I mean, that system anyway. System D so. is there, but not really there. So oh yeah, so you'd have to do some work. So you'd have to do a little work in order to get the System D stuff going. And you can do snaps. Um, there there is a way. Obviously, after you get System D running enough, of course. And uh, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess you don't really need it after you've had Flatpak and all of those other repo options, right? You don't. Like, like the thing that I would use Snap for is BPyTop. Well, they already packaged that, so I didn't need it anyway. Right. So it's, it's, it's no big deal to me at all. Flatpak was all I needed, and then the MX packages that they provide, that was the icing on the cake. Yeah. So, you know, I would want Snaps only to have them to have them. Not not because yeah, I needed yeah, them or I, there was some use case that nothing else would have sufficed. Complete some sort of trifecta, triforce right. thing or something, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the system as it was, was complete. I did not need snaps at all. No. So 
it, it was great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I'm. I had no issue at all. So the the last thing I'll say about it, um, and this is not a dig, mm-hmm. but the boot animation, right? So after you choose your kernel, and then the screen goes gray, and there's a little bar down there. That mm-hmm. that little boot animation thing yeah, gave the... me real Windows XP vibes. Yeah, kind of did. I mean, I liked it. Like <laughs> it wasn't bad though. Yeah. I'll let nope. you know there's some progress happening, you know, yeah. as it's booting. Yeah, and I, I like that. I, I really do like that. But it, it really gave me those Windows XP vibes and yep. just kind of just the shot of nostalgia right to your veins because, you know, why not? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I want to draw attention, and we mentioned it earlier, but it's uh, they still have a 32-bit version, and yeah. uh, that is a dying breed these days. It is. And uh, it might very well be one of the best or the best 32-bit option that is still available. Like it's, it's, uh, obviously we, we ran it in our 64 bit systems and there's lots of packages and it's Debian and all of those things. And, and just to have something that's equally solid with those tools and applications that are available and in a system that can run on a 32 bit machine. That's, that's amazing. Honestly, go, go Fluxbox, man. If you're already on a 32 bit machine, you need. Fluxbox. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, XFCE isn't bad. I, I know before they came out with the Fluxbox version, I, I ran the XFCE version and it and mm-hmm. it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It was usable. Okay. Um, But yeah, Fluxbox would probably make a huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Huge. And so, yeah, like a, honestly, um, the machine that I have here that is the only one remaining that is 32-bit, it's a laptop. And, um, you generally prob my use case for it is a dumb terminal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if I'm SSHing into another box or something, I can have this be somewhat portable to do those sorts of things. Smart. So Fluxbox would be just fine. Nice. All right. So we've heard the little things. We, we know what we like, what we don't like. Mm -hmm. Dan. It sounds like I don't really have to ask this question because you're keeping it in some way. But yes, moment of truth. You keeping it? I I am keeping it. I like just mentioned two two very distinct use cases that I have for it. One on the 32-bit machine, one on my Pi, and that is absolutely going to remain. And um, I'm I'm probably going to keep it around on a on a 64-bit machine someplace too, just because. Yeah. It, it's it's good. It's good. Yep. So for me, a couple of things. Number one, I was impressed. Like very, I don't even, very impressed. I mean, just the stock install. I didn't have to do anything. It was so good. And so much so that I would say that if I were to choose a Debian derivative, like a base Debian derivative, LMDE used to be okay. top of the heap, number one. But... I think MX just won. Just just toppled they, it over, huh? They just boop right off the top. LMDE is number two now. MX Linux number one. Um, that's fair. I, I feel like that's pretty I, high praise. I can't believe I'm saying that. But but here's the reason. Because in the MX repos, the web app manager that Linux oh, Mint yeah. created, mm-hmm. the hypnotics, the right. yep. warpinator. Hypnotics is there. These 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 tools that... The reason that I liked LMDE was because it had all the Linux Mint tools. Well, guess what? MX has all those same tools. Well, and some of those are available as Flatpak too. So, I mean, with well, yeah, the easy Warpinator Flatpak is, sure. in, in, in enabling, like, there they are. 
Exactly, but but um, Web App Manager isn't. No, that but one's it's not. available in the Hip- MX repos, is, though I believe as well. I, I think so, but yep. the Web App Manager is actually extremely, extremely that useful. is cool, like above and beyond useful. Mm-hmm. That's how I do. That's how I do next class. So anyway, point is, MX Linux is top of the heap for if I want a Debian derivative. I can't say I'm going to run it as a daily driver, but my goodness, is it a powerhouse has everything it ticks all the boxes it is quite amazing i can't believe it but what i will say is the mx toolbox that's going on ventoy i will always use that as my oh god my laptop's acting up that's my go-to now that makes a lot of sense the the workbench and you know what i think i'm going to end up doing is going with uh flexbox because who knows what kind of weird laptop someone's going to bring me one day. Yeah. Um, go with the Fluxbox and then just use the uh, the USB live installer creator thing of my MX tool, whatever yep, yep, thing yep. that they have. And then just install all the tools that I know I need. Right. And that way um, it'll be like MX Workbench, but it'll be my own with only the tools I know I need. Yeah. It keeps your resources uh, of, down so that no matter what you encounter, it'll, yeah, exactly. it'll, it'll, it'll be just working who knows how much ram that little laptop that's on fire right now will have right (laughs) so you know keep it slim but um so you made you just made me realize that that is probably yet another use case that i'm gonna yeah absolutely keep this around for so you've got three i've got two mx ticked all the boxes what what can you say that's a lot of boxes it's amazing it's i can't believe i had not tried this distro prior to you know it was because it was a debian derivative like they just don't interest me but Uh, this one should have because it did it's amazing you know i kept thinking i'm like why why is leo so hesitant and uh he's he's gonna use this and he's gonna feel different about it i know it yeah and And i mean 100 percent. i definitely did housekeeping housekeeping the linux and open source community has some fantastic resources and we want to make sure to highlight that In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to Run With a Dolphin YouTube channel. So Dolphin Oracle created uh, a a YouTube channel, and uh, he has poured gobs of MX goodness into this. And And antics. And And antics. antics. Some some antics stuff, too. Absolutely. And uh, you really, really need to check it out. He's got a lot of tips and tricks. Does a lot of things, um, little short videos, some of them. Um, but they, if, if I, I think this is something that pairs up with the distro very nicely because it may not be the most user friendly distro out of the box, but if you start watching some of these videos, you may have a different take about it because he, he boils it down and makes it pretty simple and I think, uh, paints a better picture for the new user. And if you pair this up with the uh, the manual, which is also pretty great, um, I, I think you can you can get there. Yep, I love I love his videos. I use them every time there's a change in MX. You can mm-hmm. go to his channel, and within a few days, he'll have a breakdown of everything that's new. And right. on the Debian side, that's not that exciting. But on the MX side, there's always mm-hmm. changes to the tools that he will cover. 
And there's always changes to just various bits and bobs yeah. that are within the distro that, if you care, it's super exciting yep. because he covers everything, every everything that you need to know. All the MX tools. Like, like we talked about the ISO, you know, creating your own ISO. He walks you through that and shows you yep. exactly how to get there. Yep. Yeah, definitely very cool. Check that out. Uh, 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah. Uh, feel free to send your emails and uh, we can discuss them on the show uh, to contact at linuxuserspace.show. I need you to tell me about Audacity. That's what I need you to tell me about and, because and, I just, I just want to know. I got to know. So coming up, we, do, we did have another email that we got from Steve Mo West. Um, and, uh, we will, we do plan to cover that one in the, in the next episode. So we didn't forget about you, Steve. Yeah. We talked about it before the show and I was like, no, I'm going to say way too much. The show is already way too long. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it because it'll be a three hour show. Can't do it. So yeah, we <laughs> we'll didn't forget about it. you. We're we'll going to, we're going to hit you up on the next one. Uh, we love our patrons and thanks to each and every one of you for your contributions. Uh, we truly appreciate your support. If you want to join the other patrons, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Linux user space. What we're doing, we're going to figure out. Me and Dan have stuff. We, have, we do. We have, we have some swag. Oh, boy. We're going to dig into the swag bag. Should I show them? Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, please do. If you're not watching on YouTube, I am sorry. But uh, check that out. He, he's got, got those. It, got so the these are. Okay. All right, yeah. Let me, let me explain for those that aren't on YouTube. These are holographic Linux user space stickers. Dan has die cut that, that go around the logo. Yep. I've got circles. And we also have pins. Got, got a little pin. Those I'll and so these are the, these are little ones that'll go on like your hat these or are small, your backpack so, you know. or whatever. Yeah, or or your coat. Because like up here we have to wear coats because yep. it's cold. <laughs> and to make good on a promise I made long ago. Um, we've got coasters as well that, mm -hmm. that we'll be shipping out to very specific people. But to get in on that, that's, that's Patreon. Uh, that's how we're going to start doing that. We're going to figure out more more ways to, to get stuff to people that want it. Um, but right now, go check out Patreon or just send us an email. Uh, we have our Matrix room, uh, linuxuserspace.show slash Matrix. Hop on over there and join in on the conversation. Um, good stuff over there. We we, you, you've been chatting there quite a bit today and, uh, I uh -huh. need to catch up, which is unusual, <laughs> but I need to catch up. Uh, we also have our telegram group and, uh, lots of good stuff going on over there. And that's linuxuserspace.show slash telegram. And if those are not enough chat platforms for you, we have our discord server, linuxuserspace.show slash discord. Please follow us on Twitter at linuxuserspace to get all the latest announcements for this show and for things that impact your user space. You can watch our faces um, on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. We also have our subreddit, where we tend to post most of our show news topics, things that we pick up on. All the topics that we share. It's like a, it's like a news feed that really matters. Did you say a good news feed? A yeah, good news feed. Our news feed that really matters. And, you know and what? So, I, I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put that as the little tagline over there is the good news feed for good news that good matters. Oh, Leo, <laughs> you're a genius. Anyway, <laughs> um, this sort of segues into our app focus, but anyway, um, 
So we have our subreddit, linuxuserspace.show slash reddit. Uh, lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. 12 stars. 12 stars. 12. Definitely 12. All 12 on Yelp. You can always get more information at our <laughs> website, linuxuserspace.show. The food was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the service was great, though. Yeah, yeah. They apologized profusely for the enchiladas. <laughs> they they were they were not very good. They're very spicy. All right, let's focus. Yeah, I'm focused. Like this one really got me focused this week. Yeah, I I usually just throw apps at you like apostrophe and I'm like just use it, Dan. Just use it. It's amazing. Are this you? one this was a slow burn, wasn't you, it? You've been poking this one for a while. I have. And so we haven't talked about it on a, on an app focus, but we haven't. Some something that we have to do on the show is kind of keep up with the goings on in Linux and open source and all of that stuff so we can we bring do. you the interim episodes, right? The topic episodes. Got to have stuff to talk about. And stuff and, to chuck into that uh, Reddit subreddit. Yeah, exactly. So Dan, prior to making the switch, what did you use for news aggregation? So for news aggregation, I was using Feedly, which isn't mm -hmm. terrible, but it's obviously not an open source thing. Right. What it was a Google property at one time or is it still? It might have been. It isn't Maybe now. Maybe not, I don't know. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Um handy though, there's a, there's an app that you can install on your phone. And obviously a web interface too, and a free version, which fits my bill. Yay. You can pay for more advanced features if you wanted, but I was not. So I was using the free version of Feedly. All right. So to cut through the weeds, what are we talking about? We're talking about a RSS news reader solution, self-hosted. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that, that it... it cranks up the difficulty a little bit but a little it's actually, bit it's actually really easy get in touch with me i'll, I'll give you the docker compose file set it up real fast easy. yeah yeah but fresh rss this is an rss feed aggregator that you self-host i do it through docker dan how do you do i'm it? docker i've got docker, docker compose too. going on Great. honestly i'll say that um it's not something that you necessarily need to keep running all of the time probably so you could just spin up the Docker when you wanted to read your news stuff, probably. So I, I will say I run this on a Pi 4. And I mean, I run it that, all the time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and same. I run it on Pi 4, so my Pi 4 never breaks a sweat. Not even when it no. does the little go out and get news. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen an entire core at 100%. When no, I'm, I'm so, running it on a Linode Nanode, and uh, yeah, I got some other stuff running on there, too, so. Yeah, so it's it's as as far as RSS feeders are concerned, it's very lightweight. So anyway, RSS feed aggregator, you set them all up yourself, just the same way that you would do in Feedly, but you host the back end, so you control absolutely everything. I do mine internally on my own network. Uh, Dan does his out on the web, but it's because you want control. Mm -hmm. You you want to be able to control, you know, from top to bottom, all the information that's coming in to that kind of thing. You don't want other people hosting it for you or whatever the reason may be. Um, and for me, it got tiresome. 
kind of migrating the RSS feeds because I had I had an RSS feed reader on my phone. Then I had an RSS feed reader mm-hmm. on my desktop. And then I had an RSS feed reader here and there on my laptop and everything else. And, uh Yeah, not cohesive, right? Yeah, the amount of times I had to, like, update things on one device and on another device. Uh, or I had to use a service. I will say my migration um, actually highlighted some things to me that some of the feeds that I had hadn't been updating. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the feeds that I have now, uh, it's got a little exclamation point warning on it. Right. Um, I did not know. But fresh RSS kind of does give you the warning signs yeah. that your feeds are broken or potentially yeah. broken. No, I didn't know that until I tried to import them into yep. fresh RSS. Does validation, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Really cool. So this is this is how we get our news. I, this is how I get my news. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, there's too much of it. Yeah, other way to get it. Other ways. I find I find all the little Linux Planet whatever. Stick yep. that in the feed. I you know any website with an RSS feed that I have any inkling that I like that kind of content, I stick it right into Fresh RSS and. It's just super easy to keep up yep. with stuff. Now, I mean, sure, yeah, I let it go for three or four days sometimes and, you know, forget to check it or something like that. But it's super easy to get caught back up. There's a dark yeah. mode. Yeah, a lot, there's a lot of different themes, actually. Yep. It, it's web-based, so I'm able to do it on my phone, on my laptop, on my desktop, on my whatever device that I can get back into, use WireGuard, get into my home network and, yep. and contact it. It just works. So I don't have to worry about installing an app here or there, though I think you can. I have an app for my Android phone, and there's other apps that will tie into it. You have to enable the API um, mm-hmm. option inside of it, but it's it's really trivial. Um, basically, you give it uh, its own password just for the API bits, mm-hmm. and then all of the apps kind of hook in on the backside and uh, nice. just, just use that. So. It's 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 pretty easy. That's super cool. So so it can just be your back end aggregator, and you can use whatever app you want to on your phone or whatever device you're using. Yeah, more or less. Uh, there's a couple of different ones, and the one that I am using, let me look it up without taking too much time, is a Focus Reader. Nice. So and and it seems to work pretty well, and it also has a dark theme, and and it presents it. Um, in a pretty good, easy mobile format. Not that the web page is terrible. Um, yeah, to I've navigate, gotten used to it. But yeah. this is just a little bit better. I got you. I got you. I'm I'm pretty partial to the website. Once I figured out they had a dark mode, I didn't know to go into settings and turn on the dark mode, but I mm-hmm. did. And once I did, um, yeah, I kind of fell in love with it. So yeah. I'm I'm perfectly fine with the web version of Fresh RSS, but. Mm-hmm. As Dan is doing, you don't have to. You don't have yep. to use that kind of thing to get get access to it. But it'll still happily hum along, grabbing all the RSS things that come through and letting you know everything. Keeping read receipts of all of the articles. You can go back. It's got, it's got history yeah. for as long as you want it to have history or yep. for as little, you know, a day, whatever. Right. It'll, it'll remember that stuff. It's a setting for just about everything. Any, you know, whatever your RSS feed are used to do. This this does it. So yeah, it absolutely does. And so mm-hmm. another annoyance that I had with Feedly was I couldn't make a whole bunch of different categories. They all kind of oh. you, you only had like four options, and then anything more than that, you got to pay for it. Yeah, Whereas yeah. This this is uh, lets you break it down, and that is amazing. As many ways as you want. 
And so that's that's really great. I've got like Texas news. I've got like U.S. news. Oh, I've yeah. got um, Linux stuff. I've got security stuff. I've got um, hmm. tech stuff, like general tech stuff. Tech stuff, so yeah. Where, yeah, like that's how I know that um, NVIDIA and AMD are still overpriced. You know, things like that, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You want to get those bleeping computer articles, you know? Yeah. Actually, yes, actually. Because those yes. are important. Those are am- – I love that website. So, yes, they, they're in my uh, – in my fresh RSS yep. feed. And of Absolutely. course, like nine to five Linux and places like that. Of course. So obviously, Dan, I don't have to ask the question because it's yes. Uh, will you use fresh RSS? I, I will not only use it, I actually migrated all of my feeds over. Beautiful. And of course, I will too. I've been using it for months now. Um, it might even be a year now. I don't know. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, until it dies and can no longer be raised from the dead. Yes. All right. Uh, next time, um, we need to, we, you know, we've been doing MX, had a really good time with it. Um, but we need it. to pick another distro. What shall it be? I don't know. It's, it's not like it's any secret, Dan. I don't think it's um, a secret. Yeah, let's. Uh, you don't think so? I don't know. That I mean, it's it took six years. It's six years. So Windows. <laughs> yeah, Windows. Like what? No, Windows eleven. Oh, Windows, Windows 11? eleven. We were finally gonna do. It. I asked you multiple episodes ago, can we do Windows? And you said no. But I finally, I broke through. No, he didn't. No, he did not. I know. And uh, no, so sad the, times. The, the, we we feel very compelled to try this next distro and that is slackware this history is going to be we we might need to get a head start on it next episode i think i think i think so (laughs) i think so it's it's a it's it's as far as i can tell maybe maybe it's even debatable i don't know but slackware is the oldest distro that's actively still actively maintained yes oh my god so and i I was looking at debbie in history the other day that's the second one it's going to be which is still pretty long yeah, it's going to be terrible doing Debian history because there's so much of it. And then, and then I was like, "Yeah, let's do Slackware." I don't know. There's there's some big time gaps. Maybe that'll help us with the history. But Actually, I, I think you're right, but I don't I don't know that for sure. And I may regret those words. You know, current keeps <laughs> happening, so I get it. You know, package it. I'm not going to talk about that because that happens all the time. But you know, yeah, I'm I'm hoping you're right, Dan. I'm hoping I'm you're hope, right. I'm hoping too. Um, oh boy, we're gonna t- attempt it, and uh, we're really excited though because it is the oldest actively maintained distro that is known. Yeah, it it, w- it was my first big boy distro, the one mm-hmm. that I the the first one that I ever installed like properly, not using the Mandrake little install alongside yeah. Windows tool or Wooby from Ubuntu or whatever. Like the first big boy real install. Oh, oh yeah. So it's it's going to be a, a homecoming for okay. me. Okay, I have done Slackware a couple of times, but nothing for long term. My mm-hmm. my first big distro was Red Hat before it became Fedora. Yeah. Before it became Red Hat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So that that was mine. But like Slackware, I've done a couple of times, and um, it is. Not necessarily for the new user. Not gonna, no. not gonna um, deny. However, that has not changed since two thousand and two. <laughs> but they do have a live ISO now, which is new. So that is Nifty. something we should check out. Not it. It's it's like 
not uh, an installer per se, like most of them, but I think it's something we need to check because it is new. Yeah. So that's our next distro, Slackware. Um, going to be exciting. Yeah, that's going to be the five-hour finale distro episode. Yeah, great. Yeah. And, you know, it may stretch out a little bit. But so because um, MX is we, – we've concluded that, our next episode will be topic-based. And we hope to have a few topics uh, for you. And uh, I, I think, uh, well, well, we have some feedback lined up. And uh, maybe we could – potentially hit on a couple of Slackware things before we cool. get all the way into it, right? Yeah, definitely. But if you're going to follow along, get it installed. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear about your experience and how you make out and, uh, you know, what you've been doing in Slackware. So, you know, ping us in, in one of the chats like Element or, you know, Matrix and, you know, Telegram and Discord and all those things. We We pay attention and We'd love to hear how you're doing. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening and for your support. Dan, where can we find you outside of here? You can find me at KC2BZ on Twitter. And you can find me at Leo Chavez. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Actually, yeah. Josh, I had a Pentium D for my desktop, my, my main daily driver desktop. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. It was fine. Um, paired it with like a 9600, GT 9600 or something, NVIDIA card way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I played World of Warcraft on it. And it was amazing. I mean, it was definitely an upgrade from the Pentium 4 that I had. Yep. I had some by of those. I had a few of those. Yeah, by a mile. And this is before... Um, World of Warcraft was optimized for multi-core. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, Mini furnace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely were hot. They, they were, were hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Core 2 Duos ain't got nothing on a Pentium D, dude. Those Pentium Ds were hot. Nah. Modern Xeon maybe keep up with you, but... Yeah, but that thing's got like, what, 12 cores or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. 16. Doing, doing a lot more. 24 cores, 48 threads, baby. Woo! I feel like even, even idle, though, they just kind of run kind of hot. Yeah, well, that's why you... I mean, well, also, they're probably in, like, one or two U chassis. Is it Defoe? Maybe it could... Because like, I just think Willem Defoe. Yeah. There was a fire fight! Can we be wrong? Oh, of course. I'm, I actually pride myself on how wrong I am most of the time. <laughs> really good at being wrong, actually. Okay, I will do my absolute best to shut up 